this speaker has been recorded at an online meeting of Addictive Eaters Anonymous. You can email us at contact at aeainfo.org. Hi, I'm Diana. I'm an Addictive Eater. Uh, good to be here. Um, me, um, I have just been, food has been this massive, massive thing all my life. Um, my mother um, just used to lose her temper often with me, and it was only for one reason, and it was because um, she'd go and look for an item of food and it wouldn't be in the cupboard. And when I was younger, um, generally it was something, some kind of treat she'd brought for the family. So, you know, you've got a whole family waiting for this treat that's been talked about. My mother would go to the cupboard and it wouldn't be there. So I created a lot of conflict in my own family. Um, my mother would just, you know, get so angry with me. My father would get really, really angry with me. And on top of that, I could never, ever be honest. You know, my whole life, I've never been able to just have one. And um, my father, for example, was a very moderate man. You know, he could have two. And I'm, I'm thinking of chocolate, you know. I would eat the whole box, not at once, but I would go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, I was doing that when I was young, but I was also doing that when I was 30. And one of my recollections, um, not long before I came into a food fellowship, was I went away um, for a weekend with a group of friends went to this holiday lodge and um, the kitchen was big and there were people in there and I didn't know them all and um, my mind was saying everybody just get the hell out of the kitchen just get out get out get out and gradually you know people put their food away and leave the kitchen and the second I was left alone in that kitchen. I remember just grabbing French breadsticks that weren't mine. But the main thing I remember in eating them, the main thing I remember, again, I just love because I think can't stop talking about chocolate tonight, but this friend of mine, Amanda, had left this massive bar of chocolate in the top shelf of this communal fridge. And before you knew it, I had eaten the whole thing and there was one row left and I was so absolutely consumed with oh my god which you know I'd look back at right now and say I was completely scared what was and I went into a nearby bathroom and I was literally standing in front of the mirror pulling my hair and just swearing to myself and I was because I couldn't believe I'd done it and and the inevitable happened. Amanda came back. She went to the fridge. She looked at it. And she swore. And she said, who that has eaten all my chocolate? And I was right there with her. 
and I, I don't even remember my own reaction, but I know I wasn't honest and I probably just smiled and either lied or said nothing. And that is what I have been like my whole life with food. So I have always had a secret life around food. And um, with that, um, you know, that was just, those are just two, three little incidents of many, many, of a lifetime, a whole lifetime of my relationship with food, which has always been weird. And um, so I was full of secrets. I was full of so much, oh my God, you know, I, I couldn't even think about things because I just want to die of all the stuff I've done. And if I start thinking it's about what my um, life has been like with food, you know, I just think, oh my God, the difference is I do know I've got an illness today. I've got a disease of addiction and this is why I did what I did, I believe. Um, in the end, I was stealing blatantly. So I would go to a supermarket with no money and just steal food. Um, and then it didn't stop at food. I, I remember going to farmers, stealing jewellery, um, or squares, dairies, service stations, babysitters, um, jobs, um, cousins, cupboards. Um, yeah, it didn't stop. So um, my story in regards to recovery, that um, when I was 30, um, I ended up in a rehab for my drinking. And um, what I didn't know is that they dealt with all addiction. And it was complete honesty. So... Um, a few days in, I was asking the nurses who were all in recovery to laxatives. Um, and so they were immediately just on to me. You know, I couldn't go. They were testing. Um, I remember at one stage. Yeah, anyway, that was something else. That's when they were testing drugs. But um I was put at a table with anorexics and bulimics and um, I just remember none of us spoke to each other and there was always a smorgasbord and I was just, all I'd think about all day was what I was going to eat at those meals um, and I was extremely thin though I didn't, I wouldn't, I didn't think that at the time. So what happened was I was told by one of the staff there, one of the counsellors, she, I remember this, she said to me, you have to go to a food fellowship or you leave. And I had, abs I absolutely had step one over alcohol. And I knew the seriousness of this illness. And it was life and death for me. You know, I, I wasn't there to muck around with my drinking, but I was very shocked by that. And they, they stuck to their word, you know. They said, you were going to leave, you, you had to leave. And this place was, you know, at least quite a while back now, but it was at least $10,000. $10, so 
So I just was like another, oh my God, in my head. And the first night that this food fellowship was on, I went and I stood outside the meeting room and I saw the sign and I couldn't even go in the door. You know, I was so utterly petrified. I couldn't even get my foot through the door. Somehow I did. What I remember is I remember this group of women and a woman was asked to share. And I remember her saying she'd had dinner before the meeting. And all my mind thought of was, oh, what did you have for dinner? You know, like, I, I just, that's where my head was all the time. What I couldn't get over was how open people were, how honest people were about what they did with food. Because I had never been like that, ever. Um, I... However, that was in February of one year. And um, so now I knew about this food fellowship. When I left the treatment centre, I went to another, um, you know, another um, a meeting um, in my hometown. And um, I remember being at that meeting, and I remember absolutely knowing that when I left the meeting, I was going to binge. I was absolutely going to, I was starving myself at the time. And I knew that when I left that meeting, I was just going to eat my kitchen clean. And a woman in that room, you know, said, um, if you want a sponsor, you know, come and see me afterwards. And so I, I went to her <laughs> and I, I, I said, well, what do you eat? And she said to me, I use the food pyramid. And I just thought, oh my God. I was thinking, I'm, I'm beyond food pyramids, you know. I mean, I'm just, and I know this is where the blackout memory started. I know that I went home that night and just ate nonstop, but I don't have a memory of it. Because from that time onwards, I couldn't starve, I couldn't exercise, I couldn't control my eating. So what I did is for that year, I went to... Um, this food fellowship, I went to the meetings, but I hadn't stopped. I hadn't stopped eating or binging or anything. And on top of that, um, the despair, the blackness, the what I would call now kind of chronic depression, I didn't even know that word, um, was just all-consuming. I mean, I think I must have, people would have run a mile if they were in my company because the whole vibe about me was so negative, you know. I just, all I thought about was how the hell do you have three meals a day? Because by this time I couldn't. All I did, I ate all day, every day. There was, there were no meals. Every single day I'd wake up and I'd think, I'll just have, you know, whatever, this much. And then I'd just be into the corners, into the toast. It'd be breakfast and I couldn't stop. And then I'd eat anything and everything. So what happened for me is in May of that year, I made a phone call. Um, I had an AA sponsor and I did a fifth step with her. And what came up was my food. And um, she said, oh, I, I know the number of a young woman, you know, in this fellowship, this food fellowship. Why don't you give her a ring? And I said, oh, okay, right. Well, what happened was, I of course ate before I rang here. And when I picked up the phone, I didn't know her. I'd never spoken to her in my life. You know, I said my name and she said hi. And, and then she just said to me, 
no, I said to her, oh, I've just been eating. That was the first thing I said to her. And she said, she didn't pour. She just said, oh, you're on blackout. Oh, no, she said to me, what if you just eaten? And I couldn't remember. And she said, oh, you're on blackout. And I, I, that just started to break my mask. You know, I immediately got a tear in my eye. And I had never related blackout eating to food. I related, it to, I related blackouts to drinking, not to food. Um, so I just thought, oh, my God. You know, in the in the kitchen was like pretty close to me, and I could not even remember what I ate. So she suggested I ring someone else, and um, short time, you know, a few days later, I rang this other woman who'd been in recovery a very long time, and again, I didn't know her, and she, I just said, "Oh, I'm Diana," and. And she started talking to me. That's all I said. And one of the first things she said to me was she said, you are not a bad person. And immediately, that, that amazed me. Because actually, I always thought I was. You know, I, I believed my thinking. And, and then she said, what you have is you have the disease of addiction. And she said... And it can take years and years and years and years and years, but it will kill you. And then she said, um, and there are three ways this disease does that. It does it through anorexia, obesity, and suicide. And when she said suicide, I felt like my somebody had punched me physically. And because... I was always thinking about that and I didn't even kind of know it because I didn't talk about anything real and I certainly didn't talk about my thinking. So that really, really knocked me. And I was actually in shock. And she just kept talking and she said to me, what you have to realise is two things, A, that addiction swap and B, that you need to put down the food. Not that, I, I don't know about the word need, but she said something about putting down the food. I didn't even know what that meant. And she talked about how it had taken her two years of cold turkey. That's how she described it. Um, you know, as in she wanted to eat for two years, but she was in recovery in this program. And then she said something like, she prayed before her meals, she ate three meals a day and her food was squeaky clean. And I have never forgotten the conversation. It didn't stop me eating. And it took me about another seven months. And then I, I, I had a rock bottom of my own making. On an actually quite ordinary day, but I just had a moment in a movie theatre where I knew I could not do um, what I was doing and living my life the way I was anymore. And that was completely unplanned out of the blue. And what it did is it meant I picked up the phone, I rang the young woman I'd first rung, and I just said, can you help me? And all she said to me was, ring me every day. And I did that. And um, 
and I'm still running a sponsor and I still go to meetings. And the main message I have had, one of them, the yeah, main message for me, I had a sponsor and I would ring her and she would say nearly every single phone call, go and help somebody else, no matter what I said. And I still can't hear that enough. And I know today that that um, is the solution and that is what I need to hear because the disease for me is my self-centered fear. And I need to get out of myself. All I know is that this program works. And, it, you know, it took me a long time to, I don't know, um, it took me about a year. Um, but even in that year, even though I was eating, I just kept coming to the meetings and ringing people. Yeah, so... Um, I'm very grateful to be here. Thanks, Diana. It's lovely to hear your story.